welcome to Cartridge Command, your weekly retro gaming podcast where we discuss and review the classic and not-so-classic games of the 8- and 16-bit era. I'm Nick. And I'm Eric. And this week's game is Maniac Mansion for the NES. Maniac Mansion was developed by LucasArts, then Lucasfilm Games, and published by Jalico, or Jalico. Which did we decide on? Uh, well, it's, what is it, Japan Leisure Company? Jalico. 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 And it was published by Jalico for the NES in Japan in 1988. Oh, wow. But this was an entirely different game than what we played in America, because then they remade it using the NES Scum engine. And released that in North America in September of 1990. Right, right. And then released in uh, Europe in October of 1992. Ooh. Yeah. A little late. Yeah, that's rough. (laughs) Now, Maniac Mansion is a port of the 1987 Commodore 64 and Apple II game, Maniac Mansion, Mm -hmm. uh, designed by Ron Gilbert and Gary Winnick. Storied names. Yes. uh, Ron Gilbert, he created the scum software which we'll talk about in a moment Uh but he also went on to then do a bajillion games you know oh yeah he did a lot of you know especially in the point and click genre yeah from uh secret of monkey island to grim fandango all that stuff and then Mm -hmm. he uh still has games coming out to this day prolific fellow uh, good and evil and i think his last one was what uh thimblewood park thimbleweed park that's yeah yeah and gary was more of an artist and designer Mm -hmm. and he started really early as an animator on LucasArts games that were just arcade or computer games that no one remembers, like Karanis Rift. Oh, they, okay. they did a uh, <laughs> a Labyrinth tie-in computer game. Okay. But he also worked on almost all of the Scum games. And, you know, this was really the beginning of LucasArts or Lucasfilms games, like big push in the computer game space. Right, right. And, you know, they really became known for their adventure games. You know, there was... Maniac Mansion, and then they had uh, Indiana Jones, Loom, mm-hmm. Seeker mm-hmm. of Monkey Island, Fate of Atlantis, Sam and Max, Full Throttle, all favorite games for many people. Yeah, all, what, like through the 90s, early 2000s? Yeah, yeah. Now, the game was uh, conceived in 1985 with the two guys who uh, worked together and became friends at Lucasfilm Games. Uh, they were tasked to just make a new game, like as simple as that. <laughs> it was a really loose uh, loose work environment. All right. <laughs> And uh, the game was mainly designed and worked on at the Skywalker Ranch. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, a fabled place at the George Lucas grounds near San Francisco. And what makes it really interesting is that actual rooms from the Skywalker Ranch are in the game. I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Such as the um, library with its spiral staircase Mm -hmm. and like the media room are pretty much, you know, not identical, but very close to the source material. And it seems like they used uh, a lot of their friends and perhaps girlfriends to base a lot of the characters on in looks and personality oh. to a degree. Okay. And then they pulled from EC Comics, you know, their horror comics, Tales from the Crypt, that kind of thing. Yeah. And of course, the B-movies they grew up watching uh, in the theaters and on TV to flesh out, you know, the, the rest of the plot and whatnot of the game. Absolutely, yeah. What I thought was really interesting is that when they designed the game out and all of its systems... They did not do it, you know, coding at first. 
it was actually a physical pen and paper game they made right yeah and they made a huge map and then they would use like a clear cellophane to denote like changes and items that were in specific areas and how they interacted uh-huh but yeah i guess the, the entire thing was like figured out on paper first as a playable game then it was decided to, you know how they would turn that into the video game yeah well i mean conceptually it's very much kind of like a choose your own adventure with a much larger kind of inventory stuff going on but you could do it you know and to make this all happen you know uh gilbert realized he he couldn't just use like a normal brute force coding technique uh so he made a one of the first game engines the scum engine right right and that stands for uh, script creation utility for maniac mansion yeah and it was a way for them to t- you know write in things like so-and-so walks to a door and that would happen they wouldn't have to program that guy walking to the door mm-hmm. and he wanted to make more of these games so the other big part of this was that he thought you know the scum utility tool could then be used to make other games in the same vein faster which it definitely did yeah yeah i do want to shout out that uh some of the help on that was made by a programmer there, also known as Unix Man or Chip Morningstar. Whoa. I was like, wow, this guy's got a great name. Yeah. <laughs> now, the production took between 18 and 24 months, and a lot of that was just for the Scum engine. Right. And uh, Gilbert apparently was almost fired during that time because he was so far over schedule. I mean, uh, that's that just pretty long for an, uh... <laughs> an old school game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But in the end, it worked out because it was a modest hit. It wasn't actually a huge success. It was just kind of a modest hit, and it really grew over the years, you know, its fan base. Yeah, for sure. This game, of course, was ported to every system that could handle it at the time. The uh, DOS PC system, the uh, Atari, what was there, the Atari ST? Um, Geez, yeah. I think that was it. Familiar. (laughs) And then, of course, the NES. And like I said earlier, it was ported to the NES twice. Well, the NES once and the Famicom once. Right, right. If you look at the Famicom version, it is not very good. Oh, There's really? like no scrolling. So oh. rooms are like smaller. The sprites are smaller. Everyone looks weird. They have like weird smiley faces. I definitely <laughs> don't like it. Okay. Okay. I'm going to check it out. So the NES version was done by uh, an American branch or American programmers from the Jaleco world, I think. Okay. And they basically got a version of the Scum Engine, Nest Scum, or they designed it. I'm not sure. And okay. they basically remade the game in that new engine therefore using new graphics that would fit the palette and size of the nes better gotcha yeah while they did have uh the tools to copy the mechanics of the game the sensors at nintendo were not happy with the script of the game oh sure yeah well <laughs> lots of things were cut for the nes version anytime the word kill was on an a poster or said by a person gone sure sure isn't uh nurse edna really horny Yes, uh, she basically hits on all the boys that are kidnapped. And if it's a girl, she tells them it's a shame you're not a boy right? Yeah. and things like that. <laughs> uh, there's other ones, too, where, you know, like I said, posters were changed. Works of art were changed because they were like classical nudes or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Well, and just good. little things um, like for a good time, Call Edna was just changed to Call Edna. Yeah. But, you know, really, it was like the ultra violence. And most noticeably uh, for a lot of people, there was a few that got out. But at, uh, upon re-release and reissues, the hamster killing uh, section where you could put a hamster in the microwave and explode it was taken out of the game as well. Oh, which is, I mean, it is pretty messed up, but I don't but know. But still humorous, especially <laughs> yeah. to a kid. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, there's still blood all over the place. <laughs> well, yeah, indeed. I don't know. Some stuff got through it. I don't know. It, it, it's not like completely toothless. Oh, no, not at all. Now, one thing that makes this uh, game version or this port different than the PC versions is that it has music. There's no music in the other versions. Yes, I am glad there is, too. Yeah, and it's really interesting because uh, they contracted a company called Real Time Associates. Real Time, okay. Not turn-based associates? Nope, Real Time. Uh, But luckily for us, Real Time's associates hired George the Fat Man Sanger. Okay. And David Hayes, who is a a bassist who's worked with uh, Van Morrison. Oh, okay. And others. All right. To do the music for this game. And they actually got together with their bands and like made music, songs, you know, uh-huh. were then taken and then chip tuned or, you know, sure, re- sure. Re- remade for the video game. Right on. Now, oddly enough, George, the fat man singer, as he's known, he also <laughs> did the music for Swords and Serpents, Funhouse, NES Home Alone. Oh, okay. Wing Commander 2. Faceball 2000. Look forward to that one, friends. Oh, wow. Seventh guest, Zombies Ate My Neighbors. And then a bunch of uh, like Freddy the Fish games and and goofy stuff later on. But all right, he's been around, man. I guess he he stuck with the video game world for a bit there. Yeah. Uh, Just so you know, he has an album name, Flabby Road. (laughs) R O D E. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. Got to hear it. Uh, and finally, the last bit of interesting trivia about this game is that it did have a spin-off TV show. Oh, yes. The, yeah. One that lasted three seasons. I cannot believe it. That's I can't believe it either after I watched some of it. Uh, me either, man. <laughs> did you also watch some of the show? I watched the first episode. I watched an episode from season three. Okay. And the show is very bizarre. It is a uh, it's, it's the show that no one in America saw because... It was a joint uh, Canadian-U.S. production. Yeah. What was it on, like, the Family Channel or something? The Family Channel. I think that's also where, like, The Simpsons was and a lot of other cartoons in Canada. Okay, okay. Yeah, I never had it. <laughs> Let us know, Canadian friends. Here in America, it was on The Family Channel. Yeah, families only. Which I think at the time was still kind of, like, religiously tinged. Oh, okay. Yeah, the show is, is not only bizarre because it was created by Eugene Levy. Yeah. Who doesn't star in it. No, no, but we do have Joe Flaherty, right? Another SCTV alum, yes. It is very, very loosely based on the video game property. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's about the family. They're all normal humans. Flaherty does play Dr. Uh, Ed, and he is a scientist, and his laboratory is uh, powered by a meteor. So you have that. And that's about it. Yeah, it is, yes. Otherwise, uh, the rest of his family has got uh, some children, a toddler son that is... Uh, in the body of a gross older man. Yes. And it's, that's why I, I didn't, I couldn't keep watching. I was like, this is really weird. Cause it, it has a very, like, I don't know. It just doesn't come off the right way. If you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and then the other bizarre character is a housefly with a human head on it. Yeah. That's their uncle. Mm-hmm. And otherwise it's uh, just a weird show. Uh, notably though, it did have some uh, great guest stars. We had uh, Dave Thomas showed up. Martin Short. Oh, sure. Andrew Martin. <laughs> Eugene Levy. And then most importantly, David Cronenberg. What? Yeah, he was on an episode of the show. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, he does do some weird acting every once in a while. Yeah, fair enough. That's. I was actually kind of interested when I, I heard about it because I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, I love SCTV, so I'll check it out. But that dude, the kid, it's like, I don't know. It's too weird. It is very weird. 
Well, Nick, what kind of game is Maniac Mansion? It is a point-and-click adventure game, as they yes, say. Yes, it is. In fact, it is, in in my mind, the point-and-click adventure game. Oh, right. I mean, well, for many Nintendo kids, this was your first big experience with a point-and-click. Yeah, yeah. You know, Ultima and other uh, computer games had stuff like this before. But for me, this was like the first real experience I had with this genre. Well, and it's a big uh, paradigm shift kind of for the genre because preceding ones, you know, like the early Ultimas or especially King's Quest, Police Quest, like those games used a text parser or like even back to Zork kind of if you go. I mean, that's only text only, but um, here to just have, you know, the verbs and nouns system that you just click on the words and and objects or whatever, or select them, you know, that was kind of a, a newer thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, let's talk about those real quick. Okay. You know, you have your screen, which is shows you what's going on. And then under that, you have all of your options. Yeah. And they are push, pretty self-explanatory. Sure. I don't remember when you use push at all, to be honest with you, uh, besides the brick. I think that's Buttons. it, yeah. I'm maybe, sure there's... Maybe a button or two somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Pull. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's like the opposite of push. We have give. That way you can hand things to other characters. Which can be important. Very. We have open. Very. The most often used, I, I'm going to say. Yeah. Plenty of doors. <laughs> You're opening doors and drawers, cabinets, all those kinds of things. Yeah. Everywhere you could look. Opposite of that is close. Don't and use then maybe that as much. Another big one is the go-to. Yeah. And we should explain how this works. Well, you move yourself by basically moving this little, what would be your mouse cursor, but you're using a D-pad for it. But when you go to a spot on the screen, then your character sprite will walk over there. Yeah, so you don't control your character with the D-pad. You control the pointer. And one of your options is to go to that place. Now, if you point to like a wall, Mm -hmm. you'll walk up to that area of the wall. Same with a door or a ladder. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't select any verb, it kind of defaults to that. So, which is a good move on their part. And then we have get, which is how you pick up things. Yep. You'll be using that a lot to get all the special items of the game. And then use, will use any of the items in your inventory that you have selected. Mm-hmm. We have read. There's a couple books in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are, the final ones are New Kid, uh, which plays all your favorite hits from <laughs> NKOTB, from Right Stuff. To, no, uh, it switches kids. Because yeah, in this yeah. game, you have a, a, a party of three. Yeah. And then finally, we have turn on and turn off. And that works for lights and any electronics you come across. Yeah, everything's pretty basic. Now, below all that is your inventory. Yeah, and you can toggle through. I mean, is there a a limit to it at some point? I don't think so. Because you can pick up a ton of stuff and, you know, they're... I always did. Yeah, well, when you don't know what you're doing, it's like you don't want to take that chance, you know. And you can just look through the list instead of having to walk through the whole house, you know, in the late game. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, you toggle through this list and you can select or use whatever item you so desire. And as I mentioned before, when you play the game, you as you start the game, you are given the option of three characters to choose from, but really only two characters. Yeah, because you have to play as Dave, who is, I guess, the protagonist, the, the main character, so to speak, quote unquote. Yeah, Dave Miller. Dave Miller. All right. Sounds like a and- fine guy. And what's interesting is all of these characters have different unique skills or powers. Yeah, so some more than others, and you have to... And that kind of determines your methods of getting through certain obstacles in the mansion. Indeed. Dave is 
being the default character, he has no special skills. So he, he's there for all the generic puzzles. Yeah, he's kind of the lamest one, but probably has the best music. He's got some great music. Which, you know who also has some good music? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I do want to say, I, how did they not get sued? Because that is so clearly The Boys Are Back in Town by Thin Lizzy. Oh, yeah. They, I, did, I, I saw that pointed out somewhere. And I think the answer is... No one cared about video games. I, well, I, I couldn't believe it when you told me that the guy had his real band play it. So I'm like, they had to know. Like, if they're a band, they're like, hey, isn't this like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> but hey, whatever. I love it. So thanks, big fatty fat. What's his name? <laughs> fat man Crothers. I don't I... <laughs> <laughs> okay um oh god there it is um you mean george the fat man sanger how dare you speak of him in such a way i (laughs) i apologize mr sanger uh but yeah uh i'm in in the wikipedia article about this game they just say it is a cover of the boys are back in town oh okay well if they admit it it's i mean i don't care either way it's just kind of funny i thought oh for sure uh, but like you said, each character does get their own tunes, which is pretty cool. Yeah, in you fact, know, that's uh, one of your items is your CD player. And you can turn off the music if you want to explore in psycho silence. Yeah, what a weirdo. Now, uh, next up, we have Sid. Yeah, Sid's like a hip musician dude. Um, mm-hmm. Got some shades. Now, while Sid is awesome and cool looking, the character Razor has the same skill set. Yeah, they're both musicians, so they can play... Uh, Razor does look cooler. Yeah, and I want to say has better music on her CD player, I think. Agreed. Now, what is their special skill? They can uh, play the piano? Yeah, they can play instruments, so you use that because there's a fellow musician in the mansion. Ooh, and I guess we'll get to that when we talk about our level by level. Ooh, yeah, no spoilers here. None. Uh, Next up is Michael, or Michael F-Stop. Yeah, and Michael is a photographer, so... There is a dark room in the mansion, so that will come in, or could come in handy. I don't know. Next up is Wendy. An aspiring novelist. She's a writer. Yep, and there's uh, places that comes in handy, too, believe me. Uh, Next up, we have Bernard. Bernard Bernoulli. Bernard is... The best? uh, For sure. He's he's a very classic kind of Eddie Deason, or Revenge of the Nerds looking nerd character, but he... He can do, he can fix phones. He can, you know, if you give him the tools, he can fix a lot of stuff, which is yeah, very cool. Ra- the radio, the phone, those are the big uh, plot point skills that he's got. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, although he does have a weakness that the others don't. That's true. He's scared of things. So. He's scared of certain things. So, But it's really the, the pros outweigh the cons with that guy. Yeah. And it's only like, what, like two places in the, maybe yeah. three where it's like, oh, we just have to use another kid to do something mm-hmm. sometimes. And then your final choice is Jeff Woody. <laughs> Jeff Woody, uh, he's a surfer mm-hmm. who can it's fix also phones. fairly fairly useless. Yeah, yeah. He does look cool, but you know, yeah. the music's all right. Music is not bad at all. And so, yeah, you pick a party of three of these. I mean, one of them's always Dave, so I, but that determines your path that you kind of take through the game. But it can be tough because I don't know. I feel like your first time, it's like you don't know anything yeah so it's like that's part of the the early kind of fun early game 
that is like figuring out like, is this item trash or is it just, you know, red herrings or is this for someone else or who could do this or, you know, what? So it's uh, it's kind of fun to feel out how to use them all. Yeah. And there are an insane amount of items in this game. We're not going to go over all of them or any of them, really. Yeah. Here. And I mean, a lot of them, too, are just jokes where it's like a rotting turkey and you're like, eh. Yeah. Oh. Now. How many lives do you get in this game? Well, you each of your kids can die. <laughs> so it is three lives. Yeah, and they get buried out front, and you, you do see a little gravestone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes you just get captured. Yeah, there's a dungeon where you can get stuck. It's very easy to escape. and But, you know, once one kid's down there, there's always going to be at least one kid because you can't get yourself out. It's kind of weird, but... You know, we'll we'll talk more about that later, but <laughs> that's usually Dave's duties. <laughs> like you're in the dungeon helping them, helping others, other useful people escape. For sure. And so the ultimate goal of this game is to get to the end, which is to save, you know, one of your friends that was kidnapped. Yeah, it's uh Dave's girlfriend, Sandy. Mm-hmm. And there are multiple ways of doing this, depending on which characters you have. Yeah. And then different endings as well. Yeah, quite a few endings. It's uh, pretty cool. Another thing that uh, Maniac Mansion does that I really like is that, and it kind of introduced it at least to me, because you know I didn't play a lot of adventure games before it, is that the fact that it has these like cutscenes and like things that are sort of timed, you know, like where you'll be doing your stuff and then you'll see a cutscene of Ed doing something, or you know when the package arrives, then you know that these things just kind of happen throughout the game at, at a certain point that I'm not sure if it's actually like running a timer or it's just like mm-hmm. once you do x things. Yeah, it blew my mind as a kid. Like it made it seem more like a, a movie or TV show. Yeah, and it makes it feel like, you know, in the actual, I guess as you could say villains or the Edison family, you know, like they move around the house at certain points so that you can use to your advantage, you know, or have to at certain points depending on who or, or what characters you picked. Yeah, that actually gave me a lot of anxiety as a child as well. Yeah, same here, but uh, I, it's cool in that way, I think. <laughs> I agree. You never, especially as a kid, you never felt like you knew where they were going to be or what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, and we should mention that you can't save your game, though. You can have up to four save games on the cartridge. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, good for them. Thanks. Thanks, Jalico. Jalico Cat. <laughs> Well, Nick, this is a game that has a lot going on and a lot of, uh, you know, creatives behind it. Did any of that make its way to the manual? Uh, kind of. Um, it's a decent manual. It's 22 pages, uh, black and your, white. Your standard big manual. Yeah, yeah. But no art, man. It's all just screenshots. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Because, you know, the cover to the, I believe the box and the game itself is a pretty cool painting, but... Indeed. You know, there's very, you know, there's a little kind of intro story, but it it does a good job of walking you through all the stuff, the verbs and nouns, cutscenes, and brief introduction to the kids. Uh, But it does give you some good hints at the end. Like it tells you about the package and it's like, make sure you get that package. Or there's a loose brick in the dungeon, you know, or it even says like you can get past someone by having a kid get captured to create a diversion. So, you know, those are some pretty solid hints that don't really spoil it necessarily, but 
Fair enough. But honestly, that's that's really about it. It's a pretty utilitarian book, but I mean, it does a good job. I th- I think if you had never played a point or click game before, it would ease you in. And I did want to talk about another thing here real quick, because uh, I made the history segment a thousand times longer than normal since there was <laughs> actually some real history on this game. Yeah. But this game also was the cover story for Nintendo Power Volume 16. Yes, actually, as a matter of fact, I, I looked at that issue. Yeah, uh, it was the September-October issue. And uh, we'll start with the cover because it's great. It's one of their classic sculpted covers. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's got a model of the the mansion with like the characters, you know, popping out of it, tentacles, all that fun stuff. But yeah, you did. I This magazine was, you know, and this is kind of bleeds into our, our histories there, but how I found out about the game. Same here. Like, I remember voting for this game for most innovative in the uh, Nestor Awards of this year. And wow. And this, I got to say, this was a big issue for you because the story before it is is uh, Final Fantasy 1. Yeah, it's like part three. Oh, man. And they had that co- contest <laughs> that was like you got to go to an island and have an adventure or some like kind of LARP thing. I don't know. I, I've never heard any stories from anyone who won. So maybe it was just bunk. But it's a pretty good little coverage of the game. It uh, gives you... You know, it, it, not a full walkthrough. Yeah, it's, but it's got a like solid map of pretty much the almost the whole house and yeah, a good map and then key item kind of descriptions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it does give you like scenarios if you pick these people, like what things do you need to do? Right, right. So right. I actually use this quite a lot, as we'll get to later. Yeah, it's a good. It's it still holds up today. Um, and in. Uh, I'm assuming a later issue. I'm not sure which one, but there was a Howard Nestor that featured Maniac Mansion. Hmm. Oh, that- it wasn't it wasn't this one though. No, no, but it did have, you know, that's still Shuji Imai, one of my favorite artists. And I remember, you know, as a ten or eleven year old Nick was like, Whoa, Razor's so hot, like his artwork's so good. I don't know. It's it was funny. It's a preteen crush. On a drawing of a cartoon character. That's right. Pretty much the coolest, coolest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> hey, whatever. I remember Miss Cleo from Heathcliff? Come on, man. They were doing it to us our whole life. I do remember Miss Cleo. He was like, what? Why, are, why does this cat look this way? What are you trying to do? <laughs> and why is it on right before Thundercats? What's going on with the sexy cat hour block? Well, Nick, what was your personal history with Maniac Mansion? Uh, Well, sir, I rented this game back, I mean, I'm assuming sometime in 1990. uh, Rented it at a friend's house over the weekend, and uh, we beat it. Yeah, I beat it. I rented it, I think, at least twice. I did not beat it the first time I played. I rented it. Okay, okay. Uh, But I did beat it at least once. Second, I feel like I might have rented this even a third time, because it was the kind of game that, you know, if there was nothing there that you wanted to rent... Like this, Lolo, those were games I could go back to where I'm like, well, I've got yeah. a password for it. This one, I was like, "There's, I know there's other endings, so I could do it a different way. That kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. There is definitely replay for that. Um, and I definitely had that Nintendo power <laughs> when I beat it, so that that helped quite a bit. But I did do it with Bernard and Razor, called the Meteor Police. Nice. But uh, that's my... That's my go-to team. That's one of the good ones. Um, I also, in fact, up until about two days before this recording, uh, had a copy of this game from good friend, uh, friend of the show, Bill, let me borrow for, 
a solid 10 years. So <laughs> finally returned that bad boy to him. But I did beat it once when after back in, I don't know, 2012 or 13 or something on on the cartridge again. So, I you know, it was uh, so those those were my two dalliances with this game in the past. Also, I feel like this was one of those games that, you know, when uh, nerds would hang out drinking <laughs> or whatever, having some adult beverages, talking about old games. Someone like Bill or, you know, you would be like, oh, I could beat that. And then we'd sit down and watch someone play through the entirety of it in about an hour or so. And Yeah, if you know what you're doing, it's really not that tough at all because it's, you know, it doesn't require any like dexterity or anything. If It's just like I've memorized this path and you just do it, you know. Yeah, I feel like I've watched it be uh, being beaten a few times. Sure, yeah. So, Nick, what was your more recent experience with Maniac Mansion? Well, I, I beat this game um, in two sittings, I think. Uh, I beat it with Wendy and Michael because I had never really d- used either of them before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a solo Wendy and Michael. And then with my son, I sat and did a Bernard and Razor. Mm. And uh, each one I did nonstop, about an hour. It's really... Hour, not- hour and 15, maybe. I don't know, somewhere around there. I, yeah. I don't remember, but it was not too long. I was really surprised how much I remembered because it had been you know, a decade since I'd even played it. And it was, yeah, I, I agree <laughs> for the third time I've played this game. Really? I was like, wow, nope. I, it, it, I couldn't remember certain specifics, but I was like, um, oh, you got to get that key out of the chandelier. I was like, no, there's some speakers up on the next floor or something. You got to, or, you know, like, yeah, you got that fuzzy. Like I know th- three of the four steps. I yeah. just got to remember. <laughs> it's like, I got enough of them out. in order. Yeah. But I, I was able to take it down without too much uh, challenge actually. So you save stated every four minutes. Was that the? Yeah. No, no need to cheat in this game. No, no. You know, again, it's it's not a game that requires you to dodge or anything. So no, as long as you know the things that will kill a character and you don't do those, you'll be fine. Yeah. And that's part of the early exploration is figuring out what or how you how you can die. You know, oh, it was a great, great, great thing to do when you first rented the game. folks here we are in the general chat portion of our show and i would just like to start by saying that this might actually be the best looking representation of the the characters and cast of maniac mansion think so yeah because even though those other games were on pcs they were earlier pcs and they they had to do the the big head look yeah and i don't like that i don't like it one bit (laughs) Uh, in this version the characters are much better proportioned and they just all look pretty cool yeah yeah and they, their outfits and everything seem like real outfits someone might wear yeah, in the 80s. They look like, you know, college kids that could be hanging out. They don't have a rictus grins on them like the <laughs> Japanese version. And yeah. they do the hideous giant heads of the PC version. So while you do lose some nudity, some instances of the word kill and a horny nurse Edna, you do gain this much better visual representation and a killer soundtrack. Absolutely. I I I've never I gone forgot. back to or wanted to play any of the previous ones where I was like, no music. Oh, yeah. I, I forgot how great the music was in this game. Oh, it is. It's good stuff, too. Like, which uh, is a crazy because I saw a review from the time that said the music was like too much. <laughs> I was like, no, this music is wonderful. Yeah, it's and totally necessary. I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine playing a game in silence. I don't know. 
And, you know, the fact that it does change with the characters is not just a cool gimmick. It does mix it up for you from time to time instead of being tied to a room or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the compositions are long enough to where you don't get tired of them. I never did. And they're kind of stylistically appropriate to the characters. Uh, in yeah, that ways. is something we didn't point out earlier. Um, the surfer guy is kind of like a surf rock vibe. Mm-hmm. The nerd has like electronic music. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's cool. It is. And I mean... Like you said, you know, the character models are pretty good. They're, for the most part, pretty minimally animated. But I think the backgrounds look great because you can usually distinguish items. Yeah, they do stick out really well. And the color palette they use, they're smart about making key items a color that is very different. Right, right. Most of the time. But yeah, and the color palette is pretty varied throughout the different parts of the mansion. It helps you distinguish them. But also, they use a good, like, some a lot of different like weird color combinations to give it like a ooh, creepy or not necessarily creepy, but like wacky ish kind of feel. Yeah. There's a lot more pinks yeah, than you normally see in a Nintendo game. I feel like. Yeah, yeah. It just looks weird, you know, for sure. Which helps tie in with its kind of, you know, admittedly Scooby-Doo-ish theme kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, bringing that up, definitely Scooby-Doo-ish where you're a group of teenagers trying to solve this mystery, save a person. But, you know, the thing I love about this game is that it, it is actually funny. Yeah, it's it's got some some pretty solid jokes uh, that are, you know, a lot of them are, are kind of corny, but not in a, I, I don't know, it's it's hard to explain. Like They fit in this B-movie aesthetic quite well. Yeah, and it makes them kind of timeless instead of, like, references from the time or so. You know, like, they're, yes. they're still kind of funny in that cheesy way. Now, we mentioned it before, but... You know, this game did have a lot of things censored, uh, mm-hmm. but oddly enough, none of that was the blood splatters. Yeah, I, I that, you know, that impressed 10 year old Nick. The first I, time I went into the kitchen, I was like, whoa, all right, man. Yeah, I don't know if they're like, oh, it's ketchup or whatever. But man, I was that legit, like creeped me out a bit when I first played it. I was like, man, huh. the tension of a character coming like I don't know when they're going to come out, come at me if they're going to be in this room or not. Yeah. And then that background, I was like, oh, this game really. Give me the, the heebie-jeebies the first time I played it. Sure, yeah, yeah. I, I think it controls surprisingly well also because it's usually pretty rough to go from a, you know, point-and-click is very mouse-based mm-hmm. interface and using a D-pad. It's actually one of the better ones, I think, because it's a very fast-moving D-pad. Yeah, I mean, I could always say I wish it was faster, and I do. <laughs> but it is it is, for a Nintendo game, the best we've had yet. Especially because, uh, which is another feature of it that we didn't uh, kind of talk about, is that if there's, if you're ever in doubt if you can interface with uh, something, you can always just move your cursor over it, and if it a uh, little down in your text box area, you know, it'll tell you what it is. It'll be like key or knife, mm-hmm. and, and you're like, okay, I can I can take or manipulate that. So it's a good way to kind of explore, or if you're in the dark. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's another trick I learned about for this playthrough that I don't know if you knew. But if you hit select, you can cycle through get, use, and open. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's like a little hotkey situation going on there. Yeah. It definitely it makes it one a little more nicety. Yeah. I Something I didn't... Uh, I, I did use one of these because there are a couple cheats you can use uh, where like you can freeze Nurse Edna if you switch to a character before she gets you. Correct. And then she'll be gone when you return. And then, like, uh, the combination, the number button combination to get into the one of the laboratory doors mm-hmm. starts off at 0000. 
if if you can if you get there before he Fred plays the game to set the com you know what I mean it just starts off right. that way so if you don't trigger that sequence of events you can save you can cut off this kind of branch of things you have to do hmm. now when this game was on PCs it did have uh like PC copyright protection mm-hmm. which in that day was like there's a door in their house that had a code you could had to put in to get past it okay and there was like a cipher you had to you know fill it figure out to use it and i guess that's like still in this game kind of like it's not there like if you there's like a a thing you can do to like get to the keypad and make it appear but you don't actually have like it doesn't do anything oh right but the 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 image is there yeah now we mentioned it before as well and the cutscenes in this game are great not only do they move the story along kind of catch you off guard sometimes but mm-hmm. they're genuinely like funny little asides that break up the tension. I, I just loved all of them. Sure. And you start to, they help you to learn about the the family, the Edisons that live in the mansion. So, And that's important because you have to learn about like their specific likes or dislikes to then figure out which route you're going to take through the game. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, this one loves music. I've got the music guy that's going to intersect at some point. Yeah, somehow, you know, it can, it can help you because that is one of the harder parts. I think this game is much more forgiving than previous point and click adventures in the, you know, while it, while it still can be kind of weird to connect to and to how to get through something because it is like a, a wacky weird mansion, but it's mm-hmm. still way more intuitive than a lot of weird like or you know, like King's Quest sometimes I would be like, "How did how are you supposed to figure this out?" you know right yeah and there are a few dead ends in the game i think there are ways to kind of like knock yourself into an unwinnable situation there i mean i'm sure there are and you know you can actually die so there's that that as well yeah but it's much better than again going back to those like sierra games like you could oh yeah it's like oh you you didn't pick up that item in the first 30 minutes yeah you're screwed start it now and there's no going back yeah it sucks but it's it is not nearly that bad here no not at all and overall, I love that, you know, the characters themselves are these very, you know, generic stereotypes mm-hmm. in a way, because that it, it does really fit this B-movie slash horror film kind of uh, vibe they're going for here. Yeah, totally. That's straight off the, the movie screens, man. We have these, you know, archetypes and very, you know, familiar situation, but with their own kind of interesting nerdy twist, I guess, in the... <laughs> You know, like weird Ed, you know, he looks like a fascist soldier or something like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's got some sort of uniform on. That That's a weird choice to make. I don't know. Pretty funny. Well, and, you know, you don't always see like the punk rock girl at the time. You know, that wasn't a, yeah. a character you'd play often. Or the fact that uh, I love that the, the, the surfer dude on the covers toting his surfboard and not wearing shoes. Yeah, yeah. It's just those little things that give you like more to fill in more background with of the of the character you're playing without actually having to do anything. Mm-hmm. It's true. Well, folks, this is such a big game. We're going to have to carry it over to next week's episode where we're going to talk about the story of the game and how you get through some various scenarios and what every room in it holds. Yeah, we're going to take this down. Down (laughs) town. So yeah, next week's game will continue to be Maniac Mansion for the Nintendo Entertainment System, of course. Not the Famicom version that you're used to playing. (laughs) Not the everyone's favorite. 
So, you know, find a copy of this game any way you can. Grab your copy of Nintendo Power 16 and play <laughs> along, friends. Yes, please. And if you want to get a hold of us, let us know who your favorite character is. Are you are you a Jeff or Sid Stan out there? Let us know at cartridgecommand at gmail.com and we'll see we'll, we'll take that into account. I promise. It keeps his promises too. I will I will change my mind. Prove me wrong, now, kids. You can also get a hold of us at Cartridge Command on Facebook or Cart Command on the Twitterverse, where we sometimes let you know that new shows have dropped and uh, always respond when you say something cool to us. Oh, hey, you know, this is a great place to shout out a uh, fan of ours that did heed the call. Oh, yes. Uh, and that would be to Scott. I don't know if Scott wants his last name on here, but Scott, he is truly a Cartridge Commando. He sent in a scanned copy of the Quirk Instruction Manual. This guy is doing some wonderful things for the greater good. So I'm going to, I actually have to get back to him, see if he, he sent it on to anyone else. If not, I will, I will send it on to the appropriate channels to make sure it, it is forever enshrined on the interwebs. Yeah. For anyone who wants to get down with some quirk lore. Yeah. Well, and the good news is there is quirk lore because the instruction manual does have two pages that cover the story of quirk. It says chill out, dude. It has drawings of both quirk himself and Tammy, his tomato girlfriend. Oh my, okay. Well, maybe we'll have to retrocord a little addendum to put in our quirk episode in the manual yeah. section. <laughs> so, you know, big thanks there to Scott. You are awesome. We really appreciate it. Yeah, what a cool thing. You're a great guy. And if you are cool like Scott and you want to be enshrined forever in the history of this podcast by saying your name and calling you a true cartridge commando. Yeah. Then also send us one of the other manuals that we could never find that we asked for. Yeah. Or something otherwise as cool. But you know what is almost as cool or maybe even cooler? Oh, those are the cool people that give to us at patreon.com slash cartridge command. Oh, because yes. it's their financial support that makes this show happen. There are zero degrees Kelvin cool, man. Whew. I think many of them are as cold as ice and willing to <laughs> sacrifice a few dollars to us every month at patreon.com slash cartridge command. And uh, because they do so, these two working class guys put out a podcast every week they can. And send yeah. it out on the, the interwebs to you all. You know, if you haven't given and are considering so, even a dollar helps us out. So please do. Yes. So as always, thank you so very, very much. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And as always, Cartridge Commandos. Game on. If you don't, uh, uh, th there's a way to, blah, blah, blah. the, the, uh, God damn, what the hell is wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> Ugh.